Why don't we clap our hands one more time to the Lord? Let's magnify him across this place. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor. There's none like you. There's none beside you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So good to see you in the house of the Lord on Sunday evening. Somebody was kidding me just before service, and they said, you know, on nights when we have reception, you preach. I don't know if that's because I'm short-winded or we're just anticipating. I told him, I said, well, look, since I know we have a reception, instead of preaching my normal 30 minutes, it'll just uh, to be determined how long I'll preach. No, I, I am going to preach around the 30-minute mark, but I give honor to Pastor tonight for the opportunity to address this great church family. If you have your Bible, I'll take you to the book of Matthew, the fourth chapter. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 18. I don't endeavor to be long tonight, but I do endeavor that the Lord would have his way. However he desires to move, however he desires to minister, that's what we've come for. That's why we made the effort to be here. You've come to receive of the Lord. And I believe that any time you come with that mindset, you'll receive of his hand. He doesn't withhold anything, but every good and every perfect gift comes down from him. Amen. Matthew, the fourth chapter, the 18th verse. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. It's a very familiar story, precedes an even more familiar story. It precedes what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. This is the story Jesus calling four disciples from the shores of the Galilean Sea. And it is from this setting tonight, I want to preach to you these three simple words, just beyond calling. Just beyond calling. Would you lift up your hands and your voice one more time and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Lord, we love you. We are so thankful for the moving and the ministering of your spirit that is already at work in this place. We ask you, God, to do whatever you desire, however you desire to do it. Lord, for you have perfect wisdom, perfect knowledge, perfect understanding of every season and of every situation that sits in this room today. I pray that your spirit would move and minister according to your good pleasure in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord one more time as you're being seated. I will tell this this story, and most of you in the building are, are aware that uh, though I have, somebody was telling me one time, they said, man, I think Brother Miller has either preached or he has been around the church since birth. Uh, it's pretty close. There's not far from it. But, uh, you know, it's only been 
uh, a short time since we came here and, and we left corporate America and pastor so graciously extended the invitation for us to come on staff here at the church. And before that, I was in a career field that I never saw myself being in. I never quite saw myself as a salesman. The only experience that I had in sales was this one time during my short career as a Boy Scout. I don't even know that I can say I was a Boy Scout. I dropped out in Cub Scouts. I was an attempted Boy Scout. And the only time that I ever sold anything was in my short career there when I was like seven years old. You know, the Boy Scouts have these incredible badges that you earn, right? There's merit badges, and some of them are very prestigious, and they, they sew them on their uniforms and display them proudly. I got one badge, and I didn't sew it on anything. I hid it somewhere. There were others in the group that were receiving American business and culture and heritage and backpacking. Doesn't take much to look at me and figure out I didn't get the backpacking merit. <laughs> Had it been the snack packing merit, maybe. <laughs> Somebody misnamed it the backpacking merit. I certainly would have gotten it if it had snack pack involved. Citizenship and wilderness survival. I didn't get that one either. In fact, when I got married, my wife told me if I moved her more than 10 minutes from a Walmart or a Dollar General that I would die. So we moved to Jumpertown where there was neither. But the Lord showed mercy and grace to me, and Dollar General built a building across the road from us. Else I would not be here today. I didn't have a wilderness survival badge. The only badge that I ever earned, Brother Maddox and the Cub Scouts, was a badge for selling popcorn. All of which I bought my own self. I didn't even sell it to anyone. I just bought it. And then I ate it. And here we are. Probably why I did better selling Coca-Cola than I did uniforms. You can't eat uniforms. But man, Cokes is not a hard thing to sell. You know, I began a, a career in sales. And I thought surely after I got the phone call, come and, and work for us and, and do sales. And surely they would just bring me in. And here I am with my briefcase and my suit coat. And, and I would be commissioned immediately out the door to go and sell whatever this product was, whatever their services would be. But that's not exactly how it worked. I got the phone call to be a part of the sales team. And immediately they stuck me in six weeks of training. If I would have told them my only sales experience was popcorn selling in the Boy Scouts that I bought it all, they'd have put me in 12 weeks. But they wanted to implement some things. They wanted me to get in my mind how I was to represent the company and how you represent the product and how you approach people and how you interact with potential customers. There was a lot more involved than simply getting the call to come to work on the sales team. 
Because there is a certain way and a certain presentation and a certain approach and a certain attitude that they wanted you to have. Can I tell you the same is true in the call of the kingdom. There is a clear call that rings out in the kingdom, a call for greater, a call for deeper, a call for men to come out of darkness and into marvelous light. But there is a place just beyond calling. There is a place of, requ- of requisition. There is a place where things are required. There is a place where things are asked of us. There is a place that is just beyond calling. In fact, Matthew in the fourth chapter records the story of Jesus as he has called four fishermen from the boats of their past. Jesus has just come out of 40 days in the wilderness. He has just looked the adversary in the eye and rightly declared, for it is written. He has been through this season of the wilderness and he comes out immediately to call four fishermen from the boats of their fathers and the nets of their past, he calls them with two words, two words that he utters to four fishermen that changed their world, two words that the scripture said turned the world up side down, two words that Jesus would state, two words that would be the call of the kingdom. These two words have called patriarchs and they've called preachers. They've called prophets and they've rung to the ears of prodigals. Whether it was the call out of darkness and into marvelous light or whether it was the call to greater and to deeper. These two words were the precipice and the preceding factor of the call as Jesus looked to four fishermen and uttered the same two words that he uttered to Abraham and that he told to Moses and that he spoke to the prophet. He uttered the same words that Abraham heard when he said, follow me. Follow me is the call to four fishermen. Follow me was the call to Abraham as he stood in Ur, and as he and his father proceeded out of that land, it was two words that came to Abram, and it said, follow me. This prestigious story of Abraham is surrounded with promises and potential, but it hinges on two words. He is surrounded with the prestigious promise Wherever your foot touches, I'll give it to you for an inheritance. Your seed is going to be as the stars and as the sands. And I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But all of this hinges on two words. Follow me. Can I tell you the call of God can come to men right where they are and he can call you out of darkness into marvelous light and he can call you from where you've been to where he desires for you to go. But the same two words that met disciples and patriarchs and prophets are the same two words that are going to meet you at the intersection of your life. It is not the call for you to go out on your own. It is the call for you to follow him. These two words are powerful. These two words are full of potential, but yet these two words are full of comfort. Because sometimes it is the call of God that challenges us to leave what is comfortable. Peter was more comfortable with a net 
Andrew was more comfortable in the boat. James and John were very familiar with the Sea of Galilee. But the call of God challenged them beyond their comfort. And the call of God was for greater than what they had seen on the seas of Galilee. The call of God was meeting them right there on the shoreline that they had fished time and time again. He meets them with a call to simply follow him. The comfort of these two words is found in the fact that you're not alone. Brother Philip, come help me. The call is follow me. In dreary seasons, in barren lands, in wildernesses, in valleys, in mountains, in highs and lows of life, the call of God did not meet you and say, go without me. It met you and said, follow me. When the gospel was presented to you, it was a gospel that let you know he would never leave you nor forsake you. It was a gospel that hanged on two words, follow me, follow my ways, follow my words. The comfort in following is no that you're not alone in the call and you're not alone in the season and you're not alone in weariness but there is comfort in the call that says follow me. This call is incredible and we celebrate callings. I've stood in youth camps and youth congresses and youth conventions and watched as God dealt with young men and young ladies and called them to deeper, and called them to greater, called them to places in the Spirit, extended to them the call into the ministry, the gospel. But can I tell you, while callings are heard in moments of proclamation, callings are forged in moments of consecration. Callings are heard in the proclamation of the moment. But callings are sustained in the consecration over seasons. It is a place just beyond calling that God desires for us to find. It is that place that follows his invitation to follow him. It is a place called consecration. It is a place where things are required of us so that God can work through us. You've heard pastor eloquently preach the theme of this year is greater and if I can tag into that tonight there is a call for greater but just beyond the call is a place of consecration that we hear about but can I tell you it is a place that is required with every calling when God called us out of darkness and into marvelous light there was an altar where we laid down some things never to pick up again there was an altar where an old man died and a new man lived there was an altar where things were required of us It is the invitation of Jesus to the disciples, follow me. But in order to fulfill that, there was a place beyond the invitation where Jesus asked of them to lay down the nets of yesterday. There was a a place just beyond calling. Abraham, what was it like when God called you out of the land of Ur? Well, It was incredible, and it was a powerful call full of promises. But it also came with a call 
to consecration. As he looked at him and said, leave your kindred and leave all of the things that are behind you. Can I tell you that it is easy? It's easy when we're leaving behind the old man. Who wouldn't want to trade the old man for a new life? Who wouldn't want to trade the shackles of sin for the liberty of the spirit? Who wouldn't? Want all of the stains of their past washed away in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. What an easy place to lay down all of my mistakes and take on the righteousness of Jesus Christ through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you, consecration even moves beyond that altar and beyond that call. There is something at every juncture of life that is going to call us back to a place where we say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about your kingdom. It's about your church. It's about your work. It's about your way. There will never be a place in the spirit absent of our consecration. While the call to follow him is certainly the birthplace of promises and provisions and preachers and prophets, can I tell you the call cannot be answered without consecration. Because if I am to follow him, I must be consecrated to his word. I must be consecrated to his way. If I am to follow him, It requires of me to lay aside my ideas and my plans and my strategies and my agendas. And it calls me to a place of consecration that says I don't have the answer and I don't know the way. But I'm following the one who does. I'm following the one who will never leave. I'm following the life and the light of all men. Oh, why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and let's magnify him. Thirteen minutes and 33, 32, 31 seconds left. It is intriguing to me that Jesus calls his fresh fishermen out of the boat. And the scripture in Matthew 4 records that Jesus is surrounded with multitudes of sick and those with the palsy and those that are vexed and those that are troubled. The Bible tells us in the latter portion of Matthew 4 that multitudes of these people were brought to him at Galilee and that his fame spread throughout the land. This would have been an incredible place for Jesus to look at his freshly called disciples and say greater works than these shall ye do. But that doesn't come for another few chapters. This would have been an incredible opportunity for Jesus to commission his freshly called fishermen to lay hands on the sick and they would recover. But this is not the scripture where that commission is given. It's some way down the road. In fact, if I'm not mistaken and my memory serves correctly, it is five chapters hence that Jesus would look to the disciples and say lay hands on the sick and he would commission them to go and do so. Surely, Jesus, you're missing a prime opportunity. You're surrounded by sick people that need healing. Surely you can commission these men that you've just called. But he doesn't. 
intrigues my mind. Because the first thing that he does, he heals in their presence. He lays hands on the sick. They get a glimpse into what the gospel of the kingdom does for hurting men. But Jesus pulls them aside to a mountain with the multitude. And when the multitude had come and when the disciples were there, Scripture says that he said and he taught them saying, watch this, this is the first thing that he does. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. It's not greater works. It's not lay hands on the sick. The first thing he does is he says, let me teach you the attitude of the kingdom. Let me teach you the character that upholds the calling of the kingdom. The character of the kingdom is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they'll obtain mercy, pure in heart. They'll seek God, peacemakers. They're the children of God. This is not a buffet that we can just grab a little bit of what we think is good. It's, it's not, well, I, I really like the kingdom of heaven, so I think I'll, I'll take some poor in spirit. No, the Beatitudes are almost like the fruit. It's all-encompassing. These are the attitudes. They build one on another. They link one to the other. The first is humility. The first thing that we must learn if we are going to answer the call to greater and to deeper and to more wonderful things of the Spirit, the first thing we've got to do is find a place of consecration because only when I'm consecrated to His Word can His Word be formed in me. That is the overarching mission of the gospel. The overarching mission of the gospel is that Christ be formed in us. That's why he said, I've not come to write my law on tables of stone. We did that. I've come to write into the fleshly tables of men's hearts. That is why it is stated throughout the scripture, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is the work of God to the hearts of men. And can I tell you, you will only allow the word to work when you are consecrated to it. Because what you're not consecrated to, it is easy to excuse our way out of. Well, is that really and is this really and should we really? No, 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 no. But when I'm consecrated, I say line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. I know it's right. There is but one way, one truth, one life. There is but one gospel, one name. There is but one way. I'm called to this. I'm consecrated to this. Consecration follows calling but it precedes the development of the character of Christ. Because in order for the word to develop in me the character of Christ, I must be consecrated to it. And I must be devoted that whatever it cost me and whatever it requires of me and whatever it pulls out of me and whatever needs to be crucified in me, that's what the word does. Because in me dwelleth no good thing. My righteousness is as filthy rags. That is why Paul 
speaks of his righteousness. That's why it's written of his faith. And so it is that his freshly called disciples are met with an altar of consecration. And he is trying to establish in them the character of the kingdom that upholds calling. Character of the kingdom begins in humility because there is but one who is worthy to be exalted. There is but one who is seated on the throne. There is but one who is high lifted up and this train fills the temple. There is but one king and one kingdom and one God eternal who is above all in all and through you all. There is but one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's not room in this kingdom for me. There's only room in the kingdom for him to be exalted. There's room for me to be abased, but there's room only for him to be exalted. This is why when Jesus talks about the greatest among men, he says it's John. Why is it John? Because John so eloquently understands the first principle of the kingdom, humility, when he declares he must increase. I must decrease. It is the principle of the kingdom on which hinges the character of Christ being formed in me. It is humility that brings men to an altar of repentance. Because in our humility we realize and in our humbleness we come to God humbly and we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? Because we realize we don't have the answer and we don't have the strength and we don't have the way and we can't figure it out and we can't bridge the gap of sin and it's in a humble approach. That's why he says a broken and a contrite spirit I will in no wise turn away everything in this kingdom. Is birthed from a place of humility. We can't even enter into the kingdom until we humble ourselves at an altar of repentance and say, God, I can't save myself. The entry point to the kingdom is an altar where I'm consecrated to his word, his word that tells me and expresses my need for his salvation. Because there's not one of us in here that received the Holy Ghost by our own merit. We weren't born again by our own ability. But we came humbly before him. Some of you came humbly before him at whatever age you came. Whatever past you had. I came humbly before him. And can I tell you his response to that is always the same. When you humble yourself before him and say, God, I don't have the answer. And I'm in need of a savior. Can I tell you what you'll find? You'll find that his arm is not short, that he cannot save. And you'll find that his ear is not heavy, that he cannot hear. It's the call of the kingdom. It's the call of God that finds its way to the ears of men. And whether it is the call out of darkness or the call into ministry at all begins in the same fashion. Men humbled before a mighty God. I have more to preach, but if the musicians will come, I'm going I'm to close quickly, I feel. It's just an unction of the Holy Ghost. It is the call of God that meets us. It meets you 
It meets you in a place even you heard it this morning. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It meets you wherever you are. But there are callings along the way. God calls all men to repentance because he's not willing that any should perish. But can I tell you, in every place that God calls and in every place that God reaches, whether it's callings for us to go deeper, whether it is callings for us to reach for more, whether it's callings into his divine plans, or whether he is calling us out of where we've been to a new place in him. Can I tell you, there's a place just beyond calling that is going to meet you. It's that place of consecration. It's that place where he is going to ask for you to lay down some things. But if you journeyed through the scripture and you ask every individual who God called if it was worth the consecration, Abraham, was it worth it for you to leave behind everything and follow him to a land that you didn't even know the name of? I believe Abraham's unhindered response would be it was worth it. In fact, I know that it is because Hebrews relays to us his sentiment of following him. Abraham's viewpoint shifted from a physical promise to a spiritual city. He said, I'll follow you, not just for this physical land, but there's something else I'm looking for on the journey. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And so if you were to ask Abraham, Abraham, that place just beyond calling, called consecration, was it worth it? I believe he would, he would respond with it was worth it. Peter, was it worth it to leave the fishing boat behind? I believe Peter's response would be it was worth it. John, was it, was, 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 it, was it okay when you left Zebedee? Was it all right when you left behind home? Oh, I believe he would say unanimously, the call to consecration was worth it. And so it sits before us tonight, the call of God for greater, the call of God for deeper, the call of God to leave where we were and to come where he is, the call of God to walk with him. And I believe it does us well to say, God, that place just be uncalling. I'll consecrate myself. I'll give anything you want because there's nothing in this world that can compare to the kingdom. There's nothing this world can offer that is as valuable as the kingdom. There's nothing like this kingdom. Jesus talks about the kingdom and its value and its treasure and its worth can I tell you tonight there's nothing like this kingdom it's going to be worth everything you lay on an altar of consecration it's going to be worth giving your life to follow his word and his command operate in his spirit take on his character let that mind which was in Christ be also in you it'll be worth it Oh, I wish we would just lift our hands across this sanctuary right now.
I wish you would just begin to respond to what you're feeling. God, I know you're trying to call me from where I am because you have greater things before me. I know, God, that there are things I don't see yet, but I want you to know, just beyond calling, I'm willing to build altars of consecration. I'm willing to consecrate myself to your word that your character be formed in me. This altar is open if you would make, if you would like to make your way. Whatever the tug of your heart, whatever the tug of your spirit, Maybe it is God calling you into greater things. Maybe it's him calling you into a closer walk. But whatever it is, there is an altar before you tonight where he's asking for you to just lay down the things that are old, to lay down the things of your past, and to walk with him.